Hello everyone, my name is Declan Grogan, not Tyler Bopp. I know I sound exactly like him, but that's mostly because I'm lazy when it comes to voice acting choices. For those of you who are panicking right now where your new MyTown content is, allow me to explain what's happening before you click off. A while back I had an idea for a new experimental type audio drama that bridged the gap between conversational podcasts and scripted ones. The idea was that I would write a six-part story in the MyTown cinematic universe and then have five actors do a table read of the scripts. The actors would come in having read none of the story and talk about what they expected from the project. Then they would do a blind reading of the script, and finally they would have to debrief and talk about their reactions to what happened, and even make predictions about where the story was going. The actors would be in the same boat as the audience and react live to the story, just as the listener would. I brought this idea to Platform, a production company that specializes in making projects geared towards interesting storytelling mediums, and they liked it enough to produce it. And that brings us to today. I wrote six episodes about five high school seniors living in Whopperton in the 90s, and I'm currently on a call with the five actors who will be playing these characters, as well as a few extra roles along the way. This story won't have much bearing on the story dealing with Whopperton in the present day, so if for whatever reason this doesn't interest you, feel free to skip over it. Uh, season two will be coming out shortly, but I think you'll want to stick around for the next six weeks. You'll be getting weekly installments of what I have titled Oh Wayward Nights, and as far as I can tell, we're the first to try this new format, so... At the very least, it's going to be interesting. At the very most, Spotify will buy the format for $200 million, beating the deal they made with Joe Rogan, so suck it, Joe. And now, without further ado, I'll let the cast introduce themselves. Up first, we have playing the titular role of Alan, Casey Reha. Hello, everyone. I'm Casey Reha, and yes, I also enjoy lazy voiceover uh, choices when I can. Absolutely. It's your own damn voice, so why not use it? <laughs> next, uh, we have playing Hannah, is going to be playing by Nicole Tuttle. Hello, Nicole. Hello, everyone. And oh my gosh, I also enjoy lazy voice acting <laughs> techniques. Hey. Is this like a club? <laughs> yeah, we should just all do very monotone readings of this whole thing. Like, just know. <laughs> uh, we're going to be playing Chris, our funny man, Liam, man, who you maybe recognize from the sh show playing Johnny. Hi, Liam. Hi, Declan. It's me, Liam. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm Liam, ma'am. That's my name. I'm playing Chris. Uh, and I just wanted to say I really appreciated your, your your marketing pitch for this podcast by saying if you don't like it, you could just like skip it or don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> really, way, way to way to really sell the uh, sell the show. Yeah, I really believe in this. I mean, come on. <laughs> we'll skip it if you want. If you don't like it, we don't want you. I'm just trying to get Spotify to listen to it so I get $200 million. I'm genuinely <laughs> on that idea. I want to just sell this for a lot of money. I'm all about the cash. Who wants to make art? I want to make money. <laughs> exactly. It's just about money. It's all, it's all about cash. Skip to the commercial, baby. Exactly. Yeah, we have a lot of mid-roll. Uh, <laughs> playing the role of Chloe is Macy Vatier. Hello, Macy. Hey, y'all. My name is Macy. Um, I am also lazy, so I guess I found the right place. <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, last year, we have Zach being played by George Copeland, who makes no lazy choices and is a very hardworking voice actor. Very professional actor. The only professional here, actually. But I'm actually also a fan of the, uh, the, the Joe Rogan Suck It team. Very dangerous choice you've made here, angering the... <laughs> daring to slander the god himself. I don't know. I feel like if I start a beef, someone will start saying my name on Twitter, and then I'll get like, uh, then Spotify really will actually pick this up. How'd you get famous? Oh, yeah. I started beefing with Rogan like way back. Any press is good press, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially anti Joe Rogan press, I guess. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. He might listen one time. Joe Rogan, if you're listening to this podcast, Declan is openly challenging you to a fight, a fist fight. He wants to fight you. Jamie, pull up that footage of uh, that random guy challenging me to a fist fight on Twitter. <laughs> Let's get him on here. <laughs> We'd like to take this moment to thank this episode's sponsors, the Joe Rogan Experience. 
<laughs> there it is. There's that money I'm looking for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do get $500 every time we just say Joe Rogan's name. Yeah, fun fact. If you just say sponsored by, they legally have to sponsor you. <laughs> That's true. I've heard that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyways, uh, you guys have all been given, like, I don't know, I, when you first auditioned, uh, we were given pretty minimal information. I think I gave you, like, a page about your character. You've each done, like, uh, read-throughs of two fake scripts that were written with the same characters, which the audience will not be listening to unless they pay money to the Kickstarter for whatever else. I don't know. That's something on the agenda. But I want to get your genuine idea of what you think this story is going to be now that you've read very little about it. And uh, I believe that's the idea of the project. So give me whatever you think. I think like I am, I am so ready to see. I think the best stories come from just a group of people who have no stories to tell. And <laughs> but like and that's just kind of what the vibe I'm getting. It's just like, you know, that at least in the two face scripts we read, they like throwing things at things. And that seems so like mundanely teenager of them. And so that's just like the best starting point ever is because nobody expects crazy things to happen and that's when they happen. So I'm ready for everything to hit the fan. And I'll tell you what, in the list of people in this world, I'm the one guy who has no stories to tell. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I'm making them up on the fly here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's cool. I'm excited. Like, I kind of like this. I'm excited for because it's like an interesting sort of like, you know, where it's almost like we have to know our characters more so than we know like the script. And so we kind of just have to be on the ball at all times. And I think that's kind of a fun little, fun little challenge. And I'm ready. To, I'm excited to tackle it. I'm excited to, you know, see what, see what comes my way. Hopefully I don't get knocked over too many times. <laughs> and, and you really do have to yes and because there is literally no time for anybody to say, that's actually not what my character would say in this moment. It's like, no, I guess that's what my character that I thought I knew is saying in this moment. I do a lot of 180s on your character. It's just lines that make no sense for them at all. <laughs> I throw just it up. no continuity. <laughs> the script just stops halfway through. It's just blank and we just keep going. So like that's half the fun. <laughs> wow. It's like like a real like Sopranos of podcasts where it's like a 20 minute episode, but 10 minutes in, it just stops. <laughs> the script is actually just a, oh, it's just a word doc that you're like updating as we're reading it. You're just like writing it. Like one of the old Bugs Bunny cartoons where he's like putting tracks in front of a train as it's like, <laughs> same concept. Especially if we already figure out and um, predict what the arc is going to be. So if I talk about like, oh yeah, and then Alan's probably going to have like a prostitution arc or something. And then Deckard's like, <laughs> shit, I got to rewrite that now, damn it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wouldn't that be crazy? And I'm like, just like, <laughs> that is my biggest fear. I feel like right afterwards, I'm going to stop. And like, I think I've done read-throughs with this, like my family now. My brother like said something to me. That's exactly what happened. And I was like, no, like, I <laughs> changed it up. So I've definitely, I definitely expect it to happen. I think it's like, if the audience figures it out, they just don't tell anyone. And if it happens, like, okay. But if someone that's in the podcast names where the story is going and then they're like okay well that prediction is on the table and that reveal is not going to pay off at all so i'm gonna have to make it really mysterious you should just have like a like a buzzer like if one of us gets it the buzzer just goes off and that's it the whole thing is over <laughs> the scripts delete <laughs> pack it up thanks for playing folks well that's it i mean you know what if, if you guys get it i'm gonna kill your character off in the next episode <laughs> so that's what I'll, <laughs> that'll be yeah that'll keep everyone on their toes that's the threat it's the threat, yeah. And so he's keeping us in line. <laughs> Liam, I need you to make me a death saving throw, please. Thank you. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, we'll, we'll start making it into uh, a D&D podcast. <laughs> this slowly just turns into a D&D &D podcast. You promised it wasn't going to become a D&D &D podcast.
I made that promise, but now there's now there's money on the line. Apparently, Joe Rogan's listening. I got there's a lot the happening. Pressure's on. I got a pander, so this is how we're gonna do we it. We haven't even gotten the script yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, that is what we'll do right now. I think uh, Patrick, who's our producer, he's on the call. You won't hear from him. You'll never see him. He's a ghost. He's gonna just send up the scripts right now. He's got an email, and uh, they're gonna be seeing the first script of the six. Uh, pretty soon, I believe. So I think uh, he's going to hit enter. Let me know if you guys get it. And I'll just drink water for a minute as that happens. Yeah, let's all sit silently while we wait for the email. <laughs> yeah, and let's not edit that out at all. Sit silently, wait for the ghost. There it is. Let's take a big sip of water. And don't forget, like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> hit that silly little bell. We're giving away a free town. <laughs> a whole entire town. town. Free town. If you just all you gotta do is like, comment, and smash that like button. You ever wanted to be a mayor? Now's your chance. <laughs> With a little asterisk next to it that says, "As soon as I acquire two hundred million dollars from this podcast." Yeah. Little ashes says, "The town will be dished out to you in small payments over twenty years. <laughs> small increments. You just get like a brick a year in the mail. <laughs> you pay for one picket fence." <laughs> You build it up one by one. <laughs> All right, so this is going to be it. And uh, we're, we're now going to start the segment where we do the reading. And we'll see you guys on the other side. Well, we were Nights Episode 1, The Train. On the northern coast of the Upper Peninsula, a town sits surrounded on three sides by train tracks and trees. On its fourth side is a lake, but... One would think it to be an ocean with not a stretch of land in sight all the way to the horizon where the orange sun is slipping beneath the waves, painting the sky like autumn leaves. For those of you who have listened before... This town is familiar. A stretch of shops line the center street, a gated community sits to the east, and on the wooden dock sits a sea captain, keeping a watchful eye open. But something is different. The sea captain's hair is a little less gray, the gated community is a bit more glowing as if freshly waxed, and the main street has less cracks on it, as well as less candle shops. This is not the Whopperton we know. This is a copper town made famous by the Pierce Mining Company, still in operation in this year of our Lord, 1997. Nine years before the birth of Tyler Bopp, 11 years before a housing crash causes the town to sell their name to a fast food chain, and 23 years before a boy goes missing in the woods. This isn't Whopperton. This is Silver River. When people leave this town... They don't come back. As the sun casts its last rays across the white-capped waves, a boy steps out of the Marcane Preparatory School wearing a pair of worn-down sneakers that haven't been replaced in four years. This is Alan. They pack up their things, make empty promises to come back one day, and then take a train to something better. Alan walks across Main Street as scattered old lampposts begin to flicker on. Two years ago, my brother graduated and went off to college. He writes, but I haven't seen him since. Alan sees an old hot fish wrapper crumpled up on the sidewalk. He picks it up and puts it in a trash can. Today was the last day of senior year. Alan walks among white picket fences. In three short months, summer will be over. Alan stands in a driveway. Then I'll be the one standing on the platform, waiting for a train. (laughs) Well, look who decided to show up. Across the driveway from where Alan is standing is a faded mint green house. It's a modest home. But what really catches the eye is the attached garage with its white door raised to reveal an interior that betrays everything this suburban house stands for. There are three old multicolored beanbag chairs, two beaten up couches that do not match, a wooden coffee table with ornate carvings and lesser ornate dents, 
a large dusty CRT television against the back wall, and several other odd items and boxes placed haphazardly around the room that seemed to interest someone at some point, but doesn't anymore, so what's the point in mentioning them? Oh yeah, also four teenagers. <laughs> Glad to see you guys are comfortable letting yourselves into my house. At this point, the garage belongs to all of us. Now get in here. Chris keeps messing up this magic trick, and you have to see it. Alan enters the garage. Every Friday night, for as long as I can remember, me and my friends have met in this garage to do anything and everything. The sounds of Star Fox 64 can be heard coming from the CRT television. Sat in front of it in a beanbag chair is a boy with greasy black hair as black as his sweatshirt. Zack is found most Friday nights with his back facing the group as he continues his quest to play through every video game under the sun. He doesn't say much, but when you get to know him, you'll find a lot more than a video game addict. Would you please turn that Infernal Games volume down? The music makes it impossible to think. Sorry. Zack turns the game volume down at the request of the girl sprawled across an entire couch like an Egyptian god waiting to be fanned. Sorry to be a bother, but this migraine has my head swimming like a cruise ship. Ever since Chloe got Dorothy in our 7th grade production of The Wizard of Oz, she has lived life like a Broadway star. She commands attention like a drill sergeant, but deep down, she is... A drill sergeant. Chris, stop shoveling those cards and get me a tonic water, please. Chris, a freckled-faced beanpole with sandy hair, is crouched shuffling a deck of cheap playing cards with the word MAGIC printed on them. Sure thing, babe. Just let me try this trick one more time. Don't call me babe. How about honey? Definitely not honey. Chris has been my best friend since day one. He's a bit of a goofball, but we've had each other's backs through thick and thin. Especially the many breakups, split-ups, and makeups his three-year relationship with Chloe has gone through. All right, Hannah. This one's it. You said that about the last seven times you tried it. Hannah is rocking the 90s red hair flannel look better than whatever you're imagining right now. She grabs a Coke out of a mini fridge with a rust stain on it and sits it on the open couch near Chris. I've had a crush on Hannah since we were in middle school. It took four years to work up the courage to ask her out, and two years to finally convince her to say yes. Our first date was magical, and we've been going strong ever since. Give it up. You're not getting anything past these eyes. Alan sits next to Hannah. They face each other, but there's a noticeable gap between the two. Oh, I will. I saw this in a spy movie. I've got it down pat. Another spy movie? You've watched three this week alone. They're good movies. And for the record, I've done this trick five times, not seven. I counted seven. How would you know? You're not even looking. Thank you, Zach. Fine. Alan, why don't you just pick a card? Alan takes a card from the deck. As soon as it's drawn, Chris fumbles the deck, revealing that every card is an ace of spades. Uh, uh, whoa! Every card's an ace? That's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys think that's funny, huh? No, Chris, we're sorry. We didn't mean to laugh. Here, why don't you try the trick again? Forget it. Mark my words. I'm going to invent the perfect card trick, and then we'll see who's laughing. Chris gets up and walks to the couch Chloe is lounging across. Scoot over. But darling, I'm tired. Come on. I'll let you call me honey one more time if you let me stay. Three times. Two. Five. Three. Deal. Chris sinks into the beanbag chair and continues practicing with his cards. Hannah hooks the cap of the Coke bottle on the ornate coffee table and slams a fist down on it, popping the cap right off. This makes a crescent-shaped dent that joins several others from similar occasions. You stayed pretty late at school today. 
I almost hiked every trail in the woods waiting for you to get out. <laughs> I'm not surprised. You hike those woods so much, you're practically the queen of them. Ugh, don't say that. It makes it sound like I'm in a Disney movie. So, what was the holdup? I could have used you here to help keep Chris and Chloe from tearing each other apart. I... it... it just felt weird leaving. Um, that was the last time we'd be students there. Hey, that's a good thing. No more sitting through Mr. Drennan's Spanish class. Well, sure, but um, aren't you at least a little nostalgic? Well, you can't hang on to the past forever. And with a whole summer together ahead of us, why would you want to? I guess you're right. Alan puts his hand on Hannah's, and she immediately recoils. Oh, uh, right. I I'm so sorry. No, I I didn't mean to. No, no, no. I, I shouldn't have, um, uh... uh... Hey, forget about it. <laughs> Let me turn on some music. Hannah reaches for an old radio and starts fiddling with the dials. Alan returns to his inner thoughts. These four people have altered my life in ways that are incomprehensible. And at the end of the summer, it's all over. The applications have been sent... The decisions have been made, and none of us chose the same college. To say I'll miss them is an understatement. Suddenly, an announcement comes from the radio. Emergency broadcast for Silver River. A cargo train headed for Eagle Harbor has derailed itself along the southern border of town. Mayor Reed has advised all residents to stay indoors until further noticed. Thank you, and we now return you to your scheduled programming. The music returns. We should check out that train. What? We should check out that train. Didn't you hear the message? It said stay indoors. What's the matter? Scared your dad will find out? What? No, I, I mean, they told us to stay inside. Exactly. It's just a train. Why would they want the entire town to stay indoors? Maybe there's a killer. What? A killer? A crazed maniac on the loose. Escaped from a prison cart looking for one last kill before he's locked away forever. I doubt there's a killer. Uh, no, she's right. Alan looks dead serious. He looks terrified. What? I, I saw it on the news yesterday. Um, they, they, they caught a psycho down in Hancock. He murdered a whole family in Eagle Harbor. What? Uh, th they said he was being sent there for trial. He could have been on that train. All looked to Alan. Even Zack has paused his game. No. Alan, are you serious? Don't believe me? Y you can look it up. Uh, they called him, uh, the Red Bandit. <laughs> Boo. Oh, come on, Alan. You had us going there. Don't take the name of the Red Bandit like that. Allow me to explain. We flash back to a time when the garage was a lot cleaner. Alan, Chris, Chloe, Hannah, and Zack all sit in front of the TV, but they are practically toddlers. Alan narrates the scene. Back when we were just kids in a playgroup, our parents would let us stay up and watch our favorite show, Tales of the Wild West. It was a poorly made cartoon, but we were obsessed with it. Welcome back to Tales of the Wild West, where we last left off our hero Donnie was trying to save his sweetheart Annie from the terrible, crooked villain, the Red Bandit. But for a while, that show was all we talked about. Every Friday, we'd reenact scenes from it. The young gang is dressed up playing out in the front yard of the house. Sheriff Donnie, come quick! The Red Bandit has tied Annie to the tracks! Unhand my Annie, fiend! You're too late, Donnie. The train is a minute away, and you'll never be able to untie my knot. 
Zack rounds the corner of the house, wearing a cardboard box with the word train written in crayon on its side. He cut my brakes! I can't stop! Help me, Donnie! You're my only hope! Alan throws his hat at Chris. Ugh! I can't see! Alan runs to Chloe and undoes a single knot. She gets up. You saved me! My hero! Zack is still running with the cardboard train. Help! I can't stop! Zack trips on a root and falls over. Everyone laughs. Zack smiles, but he looks embarrassed. As we grew up, uh, we stopped watching the show, but the bandit never went away. He was a calling card for some of our best nights. We cut back to present day. But seriously, we're not going to the train. Why not? It's our last summer. Let's start it off right. Let's have an adventure, like old times. I don't know if my migraine could handle it. Oh, come on. It'll be fun. No way. They told us to stay inside and Chloe's got a migraine. End of discussion. The TV turns off. Zach gets up and leaves the garage. Where are you going? To the train. What? Way to go, Zach. Come on, let's go. Right behind you. You're just going to leave. They all just leave. I guess we have the place to ourselves, honey. I feel all better. Let's go. What? And that counted as your first honey. What? The gang arrives at the track south of town. Beneath a cloudless, star-filled sky, a crescent moon provides just enough light for them to see an absolute train wreck. The train is small, but it is completely toppled over into a shallow trench between the tracks and the woods. Whoa. This is intense. Yeah. It's awesome. Why is no one here? Is anyone else nervous that no one else is here? Perhaps they were killed. What now? Let's open a cart. Are you crazy? Sounds good. Zack slides open the back part of the train and climbs inside. Yes, Zack is killing it tonight. The rest follow suit and enter the caboose. The cart is a mess and there are several boxes toppled over and busted open. Shattered glasses everywhere, as well as a few toppled over pressure tanks. Does anyone smell anything? Like broken glass? I don't think that has a smell. I'm getting lightheaded. Let's try the next cart. They slide open a side door and step into the next cart over. The crates in here don't seem to be broken, and things look a bit nicer. That's more like it. Do I smell sausage? Something smells like food. Hannah pries open a box. Yeah, look at all these oranges. That is enough! Across the cart, a door slides open and light pours in. In the doorway, a tall man in a prestigious blue guards uniform stands holding a baton and whistle. Stowaways! We caught them! Grab hold, boys! Several other guards pour into the cart and grab the five and begin dragging them down the train. No, 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 we're, we're sorry. We, 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 were, we were trying to cause any harm. I knew we shouldn't have come here. Oh, my dad's gonna kill me. They enter the next cart, and lo and behold, it is a well-furnished passenger cart. There are rows of tables with fancy folk dressed in old-time costumes, wearing vests, suits, dresses, gowns, and parasols. Out the window can be seen that the train is miraculously moving. What the hell? Who are all these people? What's going on? They are dragged through decadent dining carts, sleeper carts, and drink carts filled to the brim with fancy folk until they reach a cart lined with jail cells. You'll ride out the rest of your journey here on the brick. That should teach you to steal from our passengers, you dirty stowaways. The guard storms off, leaving the gang alone. What the hell is going on? How are there people here? The, the, the train was moving. D- did you guys see that? It was moving. I cannot die in jail. Everyone quiet. This uncharacteristic outburst from Zack grabs the attention of the others. With everyone's gazes on him, Zack begins to sweat. Uh, look, uh, freaking out about what we don't know isn't going to... It isn't going to help us right now. Okay, sure. 
Zack is right. What, what do we know, then? The train magically started moving. And there are people on it. And they call us stowaways. Stowaways. Yeah, did anyone steal anything? No way. No, no. I didn't steal Not anything. Me. No, yeah, well, okay then, we aren't stowaways. The guard enters with the conductor. I caught them in the storage cart, sir. They were trying to steal oranges. We didn't steal anything. Shut up, you swine! Looks like there were five of them. But now that they are caught, we shouldn't have any more robberies on this train. Just then, a well-dressed man runs into the car. God, God, my wife's purse was just stolen. Gasp! It's quite all right, sir. We just apprehended the criminals, so now all thefts are solved. Well, sir, I should think not. The purse was stolen only a minute ago. Gasp! But that's impossible, unless... These aren't the thieves at all! Gasp! Oh, this is hopeless! I can't catch this thief alone. Mother was right, I'm a lousy cop! Alan is transfixed on a red handkerchief sticking out of the conductor's pocket. The sounds of the Wild West rattle in his skull. What if we helped? Gasp. Alan, what are you doing? Yes, what are you doing? You need help? You got it right here. We can split up into two parties. Uh, me, you, and Hannah uh, start at the train's back. Uh, Chris, Zach, and Chloe start at the front. We'll, we'll search every nook and cranny till we find your thief. Alan, are you crazy? We have no idea what's going on. So what? We came here for an adventure, and now we've got one. And what makes you think I'll blindly trust five strangers? We'll work for free. Deal. The search is on! Gasp! Chloe, Zach, and Chris walk the aisles of a sleeper car. Chris is progressing the hall with his hands clasped together in the formation of a finger gun. He kicks open a door. Freeze, robber! Oh, my, well, I never... Oops, sorry. Chris closes the door. Uh, Just another old guy in that one. Maybe you should just knock instead of kicking down every door. Uh, that's not how they do it in the spy movies. This isn't a spy movie. How many spy movies happen on a train? All of them. He kicks down another door. Robber! Oh, goodness. Sorry. Another old person. Chris, take this seriously. I am. I haven't seen you search a single one of these rooms. I'm not here to labor. Then let me do my job. He kicks down a door. Robber! Across the train, Hannah, Alan, and the guard enter the food cart. Uh, no, we've already been in this cart. We must start at the very back of the train, and this is it. I'll look over there. The guard playfully runs off. He's an odd one. Hey, What's up with you? What do you mean? You made a pretty big decision on the fly back there for us all to work as free guards. We're here for adventure. A high-stakes train robbery is as adventurous as it gets. We have no idea what's going on. A wrecked train is moving and there are a bunch of weirdly dressed people on it. So what? You afraid the bandit might appear? No, stop it. Over here! The guard ushers them towards the back of the car. This orange car is wide open. A clear sign that the robber has been here. I opened that crate. Then you are the robber! Wait, there's a room key in here? Alan fishes a key out of the orange pile with the tag on it. Uh, room B6. Hmm, whatever could it mean? Well, we could start by checking room B6. Oh, very clever! So, are you like... An actual police officer, or... Across the train, Chris has propped a ladder up in a drink cart. He is halfway into a vent as Chloe and Zach support the ladder from below. I swear I heard something in here. There's no way someone could fit in that vent. Wanna bet? Chris, 
please get down here before you break your neck? I'm not gonna break my neck. Yes, you are. Oh, because I'm clumsy? You think I'm clumsy? I didn't say that. Zach's clearly thinking it. You think I'm clumsy, huh? What? I... I don't... Don't pick on Zach. Oh, what? You got a crush on him? Chris, stop this madness and get down here. I'm either finding this robber or breaking my neck trying. Across the train, Alan, Hannah, and the guards stand outside room B6. Here it is. Room B6. Yes. Are you... uh, going to open it? What? Oh, um... Mm, well, there might be a scary robber on the other side, and, uh... Well, Alan here did find the key. Fine. Alan opens the door to find a man in bed peeling a monstrous pile of oranges. Oh! What the hell? Don't tell my wife! The robber! That's not the robber. Why do you have so many oranges? I just really like citrus. Please, don't tell my wife. She'd kill me. Okay, sure. Shut the door. Shut the door! Alan shuts the door. That guy has some issues. Oh, this is useless. Mother was right. I'm a terrible cop. Hey, hey, that's not true. Right, Hannah? Please don't make me lie. I'll never find the robber. Yes, you will. You just got to get up and keep going. Really? Yes. Failure isn't an option. Just keep on going. You're right. We must trudge onward. That's the spirit. Onward to our deaths. Well, that's less the spirit. This way! The guard bonds down the hallway. Nice work, adventurer. See? I told you this could be fun. Across the train, Chris, Chloe, and Zach travel down a seating car. Chris shows no regard for the passengers as he climbs on tables checking vents. I swear I'm hearing something up here. Chris, causing a scene? Oh, come on. You're the queen of causing a scene. What was that? Always nitpicking every one of my movements. Call me a screw-up at every turn. You do not talk to me like that. You just criticize me every waking moment. You're not even listening to me right now. You never listen. You have no respect for me. Guys. I can't believe I'm dating you. Guys. What? You gonna break up with me again? Guys. Alan, Hannah, and the guard are standing a few feet away from them. The two groups have met up halfway through the train. Should we come back, or... No. No. <clears throat> We're fine. Right as rain. Uh, did you guys find the robber? No. Did you? I'm sure he would have if these two had let me check the vents. I didn't have a problem with you checking the vents. The vents? Why are you checking the vents? They're tiny. Exactly. I heard banging coming up from inside here. Figured something was inside. A banging noise can be heard coming from above. There it is! No, Chris, that's that's not coming from the vents. That's coming from the roof. They sound like footsteps. Gasp! Follow the noise! Don't let it run away! The gang rush through cart after cart, following the footsteps above. They race through passenger carts with Alan in the lead, forcing a path amidst patrons, barmen, and employees. Cart after cart, the footsteps continue until they reach a steel door. Ah, it's locked! It's the engine room. Passengers aren't allowed in there. Open it! The guard unlocks the door and Alan swings it open to reveal a cart lit red by a glowing furnace. Towers of coal line the walls, and in the center, a silhouetted figure huddles by the amber flame. Robert! The figure jumps up and disappears behind a mound of coal. After him! Wait, look! On the ground where the figure is crouched is what is clearly a bomb. Its lit fuse is running short. Run! The gang tries to flee the room, but Chloe trips and falls into chaos. Chloe! Chris leaps towards her and tries to shelter her as the bomb goes off. Fire bellows forth in mythic proportions, engulfing the party in rolling black smog. Then suddenly it's all gone. Hannah throws open the cart's door and a puny pillar of smoke rises up into the air. She pokes her head out of the toppled over train cart, 
to find herself in a shallow trench between the trees and the tracks. Hannah looks down the train to see they have traveled a measly three carts from the caboose. The gang groans for invisible injuries from invisible sources. What the hell happened? Hannah ducks back into the cart to assess the rest of the group. Alan and Zach are regaining their bearings while Chris stands huddled over Chloe. Chris, you saved me. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I did. They look into each other's eyes for a moment too long. <clears throat> I think I need some space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They move to opposite sides of the cart. Alan pokes his head out of the cart for a breath of fresh air, only to see the door of one cart down shaking. Um, guys? What? Zach pokes his head out as well, just in time to see the door slide open and a shadowy figure climb out. He makes his way to the top of the trench and pauses just long enough for the moon to illuminate his face. The bandit. The red bandit in flesh and bone stands above the train surveying the land. What the? How is that possible? I don't know. The bandit hears them and looks at Alan. His face shrouded in darkness reveals nothing more than eyes reflecting terrible moonlight. He runs off into the woods. Are you guys okay? I don't know how we survived that. Did you see him? See what? The bandit! Did you see him? He was right there! Not this again, Alan. No, 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 I swear. Zach saw him too. He was right there. Hannah looks to Zach, who stands unwaveringly still. He looks at the toppled train that was moving only moments ago. He looks at the cart left undamaged by the bomb's explosion. He looks at Chris and Chloe standing as far apart as possible, yet still looking at one another. He looks at Alan, he looks at Hannah, and then he looks down. Let's go home. They exit the train. We didn't say a word for the rest of the night. They trudge slowly back home in single file, shadows against a starry night. We didn't talk about what we had just seen. They sit in the garage in the same spots as before, the only sound coming from Zach's game on the TV. No one said goodbye when they left. They slowly disappear from the garage, one by one, with Zack being the last to leave Alan to the silence of the night. No one knew what to say. Alan gets up and turns the TV off. All I was left with was one single thought. He grabs the white garage door. I was going to find that bandit. Alan brings the door down and slams it shut. Fade out. There we are. Get that bandit, Alan. Get right. the bandit. That's a great ending to the episode, but I really could have had one more Chloe gasp. <laughs> so good. She just runs out, ju- jumps out of bush. I was waiting for that. I only have one more thought. Let's go throw rocks at a picket fence. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Okay, no, no, no. You guys need the context for that. Okay, so I was minding my own business over a nice turkey sandwich when I get <clears throat> when my phone goes buzz buzz, right? I look at my, I look, Declan has slid into my DMs on Instagram and is like, hey, just an FYI, you're going to have to, re- you're going to read the word gasp. I need you to actually read it as is. The entire storyline <laughs> depends on this. Yeah, I've had, I, I think we, we, we did this, I've I done like test runs of the script and people have gotten that line. They just go, oh, and I'm like, no, you have to say the word <laughs> gasp. It's very, gasp. It's very important. You say gasp. That's what Chloe does. <laughs> So should we all be should we all be worried that Declan might be sliding into our DMs at some point? <laughs> at any time. Could come at any uh, time. That wasn't in my contract, Declan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you slide into the DMs there, yeah. They call me the red bandit.
I just needed to get the message out. I that was if if she, if she had guessed, we would have ruined it. I would have shut the whole production down. It would have been done. <laughs> I just would have like stop, <laughs> stop, like, stop, stop, cut, stop. cut. All right, stop. Patrick, who was who was our second choice for Chloe? Can you get him on the phone? <laughs> Can you get them on the phone? <laughs> hey, Patrick, could you get back on here? Uh, you know this isn't this isn't working. <laughs> we are saving the industry right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never work in this town again. <laughs> This imaginary town. You'll never work in Silver River again. You schmuck. This imaginary town with some weird stuff going on. Yeah. Whoa. It's, <laughs> it's a real Stephen King mystery. Uh, it's all that classic. Yeah, so now that you know we're the fantastical elements from a group that has no stories to tell, now they're, uh, they're set down this path. What, what are the reactions? Was that at all anything you were expecting? Like, I know that my two things I gave you were not very close to that. I I have to I have to say this. Okay. So what it se- it seems to me that we transported into like I guess almost like a transatlantic era, like I'm thinking 30s, maybe 40s. So when Alan says failure isn't an option, he's pre- he's preceding JFK saying that. So I like to believe that <laughs> Alan invented that phrase in this timeline. Are you saying that I did some time you want me back to the future shit? Because I'm totally JFK on board with that. JFK is on this train right now and he <laughs> heard that. He's one of the passengers. He's like, oh, I remember when someone on a train. <laughs> That's a pretty good line. I'm stealing that line. The shadowy figure looks around. It's JFK. Here's a bomb in his hand. <laughs> Failure is uh, not an I'd option. like to think that corny, corny Instagram quotes now quote Alan saying that instead of JFK. Yeah, there's, this is actually a whole project where I'm going to slowly reveal that these five characters have influenced every major event in history. <laughs> it's Forrest Gump. It's just Forrest Gump. It's just Forrest Gump, basically. Yeah, the next episode, Alan's like, I've been enlisted in Vietnam. <laughs> to go. Well, I guess we're coming with you. Okay. <laughs> For this crazy adventure. We all show up with, like, overnight bags, like, hey, we're just visiting. <laughs> <laughs> just stopping by this cr- where's the red bandit it's like this is a war zone get, get down <laughs> the gang takes Vietnam jeez <laughs> no no absolutely not I refuse to ever let that happen can't wait to bring these wholesome small town teenagers into the complex quagmire that is the Vietnam War yeah what does Declan have to say about this yeah what's this what's Declan's fresh take on the Vietnam War that's right here come on Jeez, I hope not. No, that's this is this is we'll go transatlantic and then we'll see what we go to next week because uh, there certainly will be something. Uh, I think a change in genre coming up next. Yeah, no, I was I was like I was you know I was because I was wondering what's because I feel like there's two kind of types of these stories. There's like supernatural and there's like Scooby Doo where it's like it's not actually supernatural but it's like some guy like pulling some pulleys behind the curtain. <laughs> um, so I don't know. There's there's still time. You know, maybe it's like they just have like a nice. Like background, like there's a guy pulling a pulley and like makes it look like the train's moving. Practical spooky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all VR. <laughs> it's just a, it's like a sleep study. We all wake up at the very end and we were all dreaming. <laughs> yeah, you you wake up on a plane. Leonardo DiCaprio's there, and he's like, <laughs> "It's the Matrix." Yeah, exactly. It's the Matrix. Boom! There it is. We only slept for eight hours. It felt like six seasons and a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's what we'll start. I'll start. I'm gonna start like just taking characters from well-established <laughs> TV shows and throw them in there. <laughs> well, all right then. I think we got we got that one done. As long as you guys don't have any crazy predictions or whatever else, I don't know where you think your characters are going next week. Uh, I'll I'll close this off here. We can move on. But uh, 
Thank you, everyone, for listening for our first uh, experimental draft. Um, I'm glad that you we laughed, we cried, and we found out that the nerdy girl in the class in glasses that you thought was your best friend turned out to be your true love. So that's great. So we'll see you next week for episode two, unless you're listening to this in the future. In that case, we'll see you in a few seconds when you decide to click on the next episode. And uh, besides that, thank you. Take care and uh, have a great whatever time of day it is. So my town is doing a spin-off now, is it? When are we going to get a Credits Guy episode? That's right, everyone. Even in 1997, Credits Guy is still doing voice work for audio drama end sequences. Oh, Wayward Nights is produced by Platform LLC, a production company. To learn more about Platform, check out their website, platformprodco.com, and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitch. Platform is proud to have an open-door policy for any and all artists. If you are a creative with an original idea for platform-specific art looking to get produced, send an email to opendoor at platformprodco.com with a brief description of your project to schedule a meeting with the Platform team. Now, on to our very talented cast. To start us off, we have Casey Reha, who played Alan in today's experimental show. You can find everything he does at CaseyRehaVO.com. Hannah was played by Nicole Tuttle, who you can find on Twitter at Nicole Voice. She also has her own killer audio drama called The Lafragian Chronicles. Hit me up, Nicole, if you need a credits reader. Chris was played by Liam Mann, who you can find on a YouTube channel called Aggie McLeggy. Chloe was played by Macy Matier, who you can find on Instagram at Music with Macy. Zach was played by George Copeland, who you can find on Instagram at George S. Copeland. And finally, the narration and a few silly voices were done by Declan Brogan, who you can probably find somewhere. All the incredible music you heard was done by Seth Barnes. You can contact Seth for work at seth.dbarnesmusic at gmail.com. Oh Wayward Nights was created and written by Declan Brogan. Follow My Town Podcast on Instagram and Twitter to keep up with the show. Thank you to the Audio Mint Network for having us aboard. Woo! That was a lot of credits. Takes a village. Please rate the show. You have no idea how much it helps us. Unless you have something mean to say, at which point just scream that into your pillow. Thank you so much, and have a good night. You were just listening to an Audio Mint podcast.